the last word on Today FM with Matt Cooper. Now for the Culture Club today, I'm delighted that we're joined by Roisin O. She was part of the Irish Women in Harmony number one cover of Dreams. She's released music as a solo artist and with the band Thanks Brother. And before we talk to her, let's just hear her new single, which she wrote with her brother Danny O'Reilly of the Coronas during lockdown. Let's hear a little bit of Hearts and Bones. Roisin and Roisin, I'm looking forward to talking to you about all the musical influences that went to forming that. But can I ask, you did record that during lockdown. How has it been for you over the last year as a performing artist? How much have you missed being on stage? Oh, I've, I've really missed being on stage, Matt. Like, for me, being on stage, it's my favourite thing about being a musician writing songs and being in the studio for me sort of comes second. I, I live for being on stage. So yeah, well, it was, it was hard at the start, you know, I, I was working with Thanks Brother and we had American tours planned. We had festivals booked. We were heading like on support tours and that was all scuppered, you know, and it completely stopped. And I think it's part that I'd say definitely lockdown is part of the reason why I sort of went back to, the Roshino catalogue and, and sort of started writing songs that were Roshino songs again, not not on purpose, but they just <laughs> became that, you know, and uh, when all that, you know, like promo and gigs and all that was stopped and I was just left to my own devices down in Dingle, the, these songs, these new songs poured out of me and, and that one there, Heart and Bones, was was the first of a few, yeah. Yeah, have you been listening to lots of music and all of the choices that you've given to us for Culture Club today across music and various other things? Have you used your time productively to sort of take in stuff that you mightn't otherwise have had the time to do? <laughs> I'm not going to lie. No, I, I, I don't think I don't think I did that. Uh, I, I, I find myself as I get older, I, I actually listen to less music and it's probably it's probably a terrible thing, you know, to say that as a musician, but I I find listening to music now because my job is so much listening to music that sometimes I like to take a break from it and not listen to music. And I often go to movies. I'm a big movie fiend and books just to, to get away from music for, for a little while to, to escape that. Though there is some like some of the albums that came out, like 
that I've been loving since lockdown, even like the new Pillow Queens album, the new Alvaretti album. I'm really getting into a lot of up and coming Irish stuff that I, I'm really, I, I hadn't done before. So, but uh, yeah, definitely. I always, I always go back to, to those influences I started from, which, which range from the likes of Joni Mitchell to, to Janie to Red Hot Chili Peppers you know I got this mad mix of music I love so well let's go through some of it and let's start with the first single you ever bought what do you what do you <laughs> recollect that as being you know I it, I recollect it as being uh, Desiree Life do you know that song it, it it was an absolute bop on the radio and I think I was about 10 when it came out but it was I remember it being one of the first songs that I heard on the radio and I learned all the words off by heart, you know. And even then at the time, I think I knew it wasn't an amazing song, but it was constantly on the radio and I couldn't get out of my head. And I bought it and I, I remember the B-side on it was the most beautiful song. It was called Kissing You. And it turned out that song, I knew it already before it was even on a Romeo and Juliet, uh, Baz Luhrmann, the movie soundtrack. Oh, yeah. And I became obsessed with that soundtrack then. So even though it wasn't the most coolest song to be the first single I bought, it really, that song Kissing You sort of blew me away. I remember it being one of the first songs I got really emotional listening to, you know, um, and it got me well, into actually, that album. As it happens, it is the A-side that we actually have to play a little oh, bit Oh, that's of. okay. That's allowed. It's a bop. It's still a bop. <laughs> Let's hear life. Of the dark, especially when I'm in a park and there's no one else around. Ooh, I get the shivers. I don't want to see a ghost. It's a sight that I fear most. I'd rather have a piece of toast. Watch the evening news. Life, oh, life, oh, Girl, I'm the worst in the world. Never walk under ladders. I keep a rabbit's tail. I'll take you up on a dare. Anytime, anywhere. Name the place, I'll be there. Bungee jumping, I don't care. My, oh my, oh my, oh life. I remember it now, and that's definitely an upbeat song to have on the Culture Club this evening. With Roshi it's no, still no, a bop, I think. It's a great song. <laughs> Apart from that one line about toast, I think it's great. <laughs> <laughs> now, your favourite album that you've nominated is one we were discussing only last night in our music spot with John Cadell and D-Ready, uh, because it keeps coming up. So many people love it, although it was released way, way, way before you were born. Fleetwood Mac's Rumours. What is it about that yeah. album that makes it your favourite? Uh, it's funny like that album is one that I, I you can constantly go back to that album and not get tired of it you know I and I think I definitely heard that album growing up and knew songs from it without really e realizing the something that my parents would play in the background well at an age where I was like 
oh what my parents listen to isn't cool you know <laughs> and eventually coming out of that and and realizing oh no wait my parents know what they're talking about and they have this huge collection of cds and that that album Fleetwood Mac I think as well the fact that it had songs like like Dreams that the chorus had covered and Songbird by Eva Cassidy who I was really into growing up as well that I knew these songs already and hear the original versions and even though I, I heard it at a very young age, every time I listen to it, it's it's it gets better and you hear things you didn't hear before. Every single song is is a single, is an absolute jam, you know, and there's so many different facets to it. The harmonies for me as well, I think that that mix, because there's obviously huge folk influences in that album, but it's a rock album, you know, and those harmonies really blew me away. Like those five different voices, something I've always been you know connected to that that harmony sound with different voices so you can't really go wrong with that album and I, I almost felt like oh that's too obvious a choice you know maybe I should pick something more obscure but I just yeah it's undeniable go with you, rumors, go you, with you like we're going to hear yeah. a little bit from the chain Track. But the other albums, very briefly, please, Roshin, what else did you consider as your favourite album? Well, really, my, my real favourite album is Joni Mitchell Blue. But I wanted to talk about her in in, in terms of an, uh, my favourite artist, because she definitely is my favourite artist. But there's so, oh, so many amazing albums. Like, as I got older, I got really into Wallace Bird and Declan O'Rourke. And Since Kai Abram was a huge album for me. New Boots was a big album for me. I went away to America and listened to that one by Wallace Bird. And then the more like Radiohead, OK Computer was was a song, an album that I listened to in the car with my brothers on the way down to holidays. And that was the first like proper, you know, like rock album that I had heard at this and that really put me off in different directions as well so there's so many to talk about we just not enough time <laughs> okay well we will talk about your favorite singer Joni Mitchells but before we talk about her let's hear a little bit of from that album blue case of you just before our love got lost you said I am as constant as a northern star and I said constantly in the darkness where's that at if you want me, I'll be in the barn On the back of a cartoon coaster In a blue TV screen light 
up of Canada. Mitchell. So, Rose, you know, why Joni Mitchell is your, is she your favourite? Uh, you know, I'd say I, I first listened to Joni, to that album, I coming down here to Dingleton. My, my ma would drag me down here in the summers at a time when my brothers were old enough to, to not have to come, you know. And so their music wasn't around. And I had gone through all my Justin Timberlake and my, and my Destiny's Child. I was a huge Destiny's Child fan. And I felt like I'd played all my albums over and over. And she she said to me, like, Roshin, just give this album a try. I promise you won't regret it. And I think I was about 14 at the time. And I fell in love with Joni Mitchell and I have never fallen out of love with her. I, I feel like as a person, I've grown <laughs> through her albums. You know, I started with, with Blue and I listened then to For the Roses. And it's just that her songwriting her singing her musicianship it i felt like it was unparalleled and i think for for me as well i felt like no one else had heard her like my brothers didn't listen to her my friends didn't listen to her it's just this secret girl my ma told me about you know and i felt like she was mine and as i got older i remember when i was listening to her first someone said oh yeah you should listen to mingus and i i put it on i was like oh no that's too much for me. She had gone into her jazz phase, you know. And so I went back and listened to all the more folky albums. And then as I got older, I was like, I should really give those more jazzy albums a go. And I listened to Hegira and Don Juan's Reckless Daughter and, and went through that sort of, that as she progressed, as I got older, I got more into the Stranger albums and almost felt like I was progressing my musical taste with her journey through her art, like, you know, and, and I, I still go back to that album. And I, it is my favorite album. I named my dog Blue after that album. <laughs> you know, she was really a huge, a huge part of my musical influence. And I just, I think she's absolutely the best in every way. That's, okay, that's all now, I have to say about that. <laughs> let's get to gigs. And you're the second person to have nominated James Taylor as the best gig you were ever at. The first actually wasn't too long ago. It was your own aunt, Frances Black, the senator, who actually nominated James Taylor, but she nominated a gig in Dublin. I believe you've no got way. one from Michigan. Yes, one in Michigan. In a, it was such it was such a mad. Like I'm a huge James Taylor fan. Another person that my parents introduced me to that I later in life realized, yeah, they were right. He's unbelievable, <laughs> and got into his albums in a massive way. And we were I was on tour, and I was actually on tour with uh, Bill Shanley, great Irish guitarist. And we were we had a day off somewhere in Michigan and he was like, oh, you know, James Taylor is playing down the road. I know uh, the violinist in the band. Maybe we'll try get some some tickets. And I was I was losing my mind like, yes, let's go. Let's drive there. Let's do it now. And we ended up all going and we got like we were like two seats from the front in this massive outdoor theater, amphitheater. And Bonnie Raitt opened the show and he played 
all the hits like I mean every hit that I could have asked for you know it was like the best of and his banter with the crowd was so amazing and his band were unbelievable and we ended up going backstage after and meeting him and it was like just the dream it was the dream gig really when you think about what you want from a gig it was it was amazing it's always stuck with me even though the other gigs I'd probably say are my favorite gigs are probably like Chemical Brothers and, and Daft Punk and and like the Strokes are these other mad gigs in my mind but just you can't really top meeting James Taylor after a gig you know <laughs> Roisin O is with us today for the Culture Club and I'm going to go to favourite play or theatre show or musical and what have you picked out of those? Uh, I was thinking about this like a grown up like Disney musicals that was where I started my love for music, singing along to the Disney musicals. And I think the, one of the first Disney musicals I saw was The Lion King in the West End. And that really uh, blew me away, like tears streaming down my face as the, as the fake lions are crawling down the aisles, you know, with the circle of life going. Like that sort of, I, I, how can you not, I feel, how could you not love that those type of musicals like and that that those were the only type of musicals I grew up with in terms of stage plays or anything like that like I I was more so the movie end of the musicals we were also very into seven brides for seven brothers in our house and calamity jane and anything anything basically you could sing along to in my book was amazing uh yeah the only other person I've ever heard mention Seven Brides for Seven Brothers on this program is our American correspondent, Cal Thomas. I think oh, you know Cal, I don't know you? I know Cal. I do know Cal. Yes, I do. Indeed, he's, a, he's an old uh, friend of my parents, yeah. Well, there you are. He loves Howard Keel and Seven Brides for Seven Brothers, so let's hear a bit from that. Yeah, you're all pretty and fresh and young. Now, keep you in mind. But I ain't deciding on nothing until I look them all over. your beautiful hide wherever you may be we ain't met yet but i'm a willing to bet you're the gal for me morning ma'am morning bless your beautiful hide you're just as good as lost i don't know your name but i'm mistaken my claim lest your eyes is crossed <laughs> oh, I'd swap my gun and I'd swap my mules Oh, whoever took it would be one big fool Thanks, Adam Or pay your way through cooking school If in you would say I do that's a long way from the Chemical Brothers and Daft Punk Roisin. I can see my Cal Thomas go for it. <laughs> when I think about it now, it's so politically incorrect. Incorrect when you think about that story. It's like seven brothers kidnapping these girls and like taking them away from their family. It's, it's actually really not PC. But at the same time, when it's when it's put forth like that with these amazing songs, you can't help but like bop your toe along. You know. Well, we're we're not going to encourage it being cancelled here on the last. <laughs> No. Anyway. <laughs> no, let's move to your movies and uh, yeah. you have picked out an absolute classic movie and we'll play a yeah. clip from it first with the obligatory language warning i'm sure everybody yeah. will recognize john travolta and samuel l jackson in this but you know a funny thing about europe is what it's a little different 
I mean, they got the same shit over there that they got here, but it's just, just there, it's a little different. Example. All right, well, you can walk into a movie theater in Amsterdam and buy a beer. And I don't mean just like a little paper cup, I'm talking about a glass of beer. And in Paris, you can buy a beer in McDonald's. And you know what they call a, a, a quarter pounder with cheese uh, in Paris? They don't call it a quarter pounder with cheese? Oh, man, they got the metric system. They wouldn't know what the fuck a quarter pounder is. And what do they call it? They call it uh, Royale with cheese. Royale with cheese. That's right. What do they call a Big Mac? Big Mac's a Big Mac, but they call it Le Big Mac. Le Big Mac. <laughs> what do they call a Whopper? I don't know. I didn't go on a Burger King. Pulp Fiction. Why Why is this your choice, Roisin? Uh, I, I think Pulp Fiction was the first, it was the first Quentin Tarantino movie I ever saw. And he's my favorite director. And I think because it was my first Tarantino movie I saw, it just stuck with me. Like I had never seen anything like it before. You know, even that scene, the dialogue in that scene, they're talking about burgers, about, you know, it's, it's so this, this the dialogue is like day-to-day dialogue. Yet the the, the storyline is so insane. It's this this structure that jumps from from different timelines, and the characters just reel you in. Like even though the, like the main character there, Jules and John Travolta's uh, character, he, they're they're thugs, they're like gangsters, but you you really care about them, even though they're going around killing people. Like you you know, it's something that Tarantino did that I. I never seen replicated the way he does it and it draws you into this story and makes you really care about these these people who you would never meet in your day-to-day life these drug dealers these scoundrels like you know but make you love them and he does it with all this violence and i'm not into violence but i love the violence in tarantino films i love kill bill it's like it's almost like a fantastical type of violence that is portrayed on the screen it, you don't feel that connected to it because it's almost it's fake but it's real I'm, I'm not explaining myself very well but Quentin no, Tarantino no. and this film it, it it just set me a light for about movies I think I, I'm a big movie buff and I've always loved movies this is the first movie that was a bit out there that really got me in to the whole movie scene definitely and what other movies then are you big into uh, I, I'm into a lot of sci-fi weirdly i i love fantasy and sci-fi i was very involved in game of thrones when it came out i think i read all the books before i got into game of thrones and i think it was the most amazing thing that ever happened to tv ever <laughs> um, but uh, yeah um, movies now you've caught me off guard um, well actually do you know what we'll, we'll just do the television because you've mentioned Game of Thrones and yeah. it is I mean again a lot of violence in Game of Thrones for somebody who doesn't yeah. like violence Roisin yeah <laughs> um, I know but it's I understand this because I, I would have had a, I have a couple of daughters who became absolutely obsessed with Game of Thrones as well it actually was very striking yeah. to me how it really appealed to women uh, as well 100%. let's hear a little bit Jon Snow and Ramsay Bolton face off in battle for control of Winterfell. Strong language warning again. My beloved wife, I've missed you terribly. Thank you for returning Lady Bolton safely. Now, dismount and kneel before me. Surrender your army and proclaim me the true Lord of Winterfell and Warden of the North. I will pardon you for deserting the Night's Watch. I will pardon these treasonous lords for betraying my house. Come, bastard. You don't have the men, you don't have the horses, and you don't have Winterfell. 
Why lead those poor souls into slaughter? There's no need for a battle. Get off your horse. Kneel. I'm a man of mercy. You're right. There's no need for a battle. Thousands of men don't need to die. Only one of us. Let's end this the old way. You against me. I don't know if I'd beat you, but I know that my army will beat yours. I have 6,000 men. You have, what, half that? Not even? Aye, you have the numbers. Will your men want to fight for you when they hear you wouldn't fight for them? If you want to say... You're going to die tomorrow, Lord Bolton. Sleep well. Game of Thrones. Were you happy with the way it all finished off? This was a big subject of debate in this house uh, with a lot of disappointment in the final season without giving away to those who haven't reached that point, although I suspect nearly anyone interested in Game of Thrones has already. Yeah, I'm not going to lie. I was a bit devastated by by the last season. I, uh, Yeah, it was... I just didn't think it gave the characters what they deserved and the storylines what they deserved. I'm still waiting for George R. R. Martin to write the last few books so I can see what really happened, you know, because I, I think they skimmed over it for, for whatever reason after doing such an amazing job with the first few seasons. Well, I don't know what what happened behind the scenes there, but yeah, it didn't do it justice. But uh, yeah, as a TV show, maybe it's the same thing about Pulp Fiction, why I love it so much. It sort of takes you out of what's what's actually capable in your own in your own reality into this fantastical world that draws you in with amazing characters i think that's the thing they have in common these characters and and you're right it is it was unusual that there were so many lead female characters in the show and they all their character arc starting from these women who were dismissed and and told that they were just someone's wives to to being the queens and to ruling the whole empire you know it's a, any any girl's dream to to read stories like that you know <laughs> Okay, you've also picked out Friends for us. And before we talk about it, let's get a scene from Friends where Rachel and Monica take on Joey and Chandler in a head-to-head to see who gets Monica's apartment. Each team will answer 10 questions. The first team to answer the most questions wins. The categories are fears and pet peeves, ancient history, literature, and it's all relative. (laughs) Gentlemen, Pick your category. Fears and pet peeves. What is Monica's biggest pet peeve? Animals dressed as humans. That's correct. (laughs) Ladies? Same category. According to Chandler, what phenomenon scares the bejesus out of him? Michael Flatley, Lord of the Dance. That is correct. (laughs) The Irish jig guy? His legs flail about as if independent from his body. We'll take literature! Every week, the TV guide comes to Chandler and Joey's apartment. What name appears on the address label? Oh, Chandler gets it! It's Chandler Bing! No! I'm afraid the TV guide comes to Chenandler Bong. Actually, it's Miss Janander Bond. 
Okay, I say you grew up with it, Roisin. Do you still watch it on constant loop as it goes around? Do you still find it as funny? I do still find it as funny. I, I think especially if I go away from it for a, for a long time, there's no, so many seasons. And if you pick a random season, pick a random episode, it's, I still find it hilarious. And there's something for me very like warm and co- and cozy about friends i think i've great like imagery growing up like because i think they used to have a new show out on a friday evening or something and we would all like gather around the tv to watch the new episode of friends you know when the whole rachel and ross saga was going on and i even remember at certain points my parents were like oh i actually don't know if this is suitable for you guys we're gonna have to turn it off now and not even understanding at the time what they were talking about you know that's how young I was but it's still go back to it now and watch it with new eyes I still I still think it's hilarious yeah it was a brilliant show now we need to finish off Roche you know with books and you said you've been reading a lot and we asked you to nominate a favorite book or author what are you giving us uh my favorite is is Shantaram by uh Gregory David Roberts it's uh it's a a book I first read uh, when I was about 16 and at that time I, I loved reading and, but I used to like devour books and like speed read and oftentimes not really take in what was going on. And I read it again when I was in my early twenties and, and, and I have my old book here and I was looking at it and I have all these notes in of an underlined sections. It's this amazing story about this Australian convict who escapes from jail in Australia and flees to, Mumbai in in India and starts a life there and it's the most fun it's also a really fantastical story you can't believe the storyline is it's it's almost it's unbelievable because it's it's a true story and is apparently is based on his real life story and he uh, eventually he goes and he lives in a slum and he he eventually meets this guy Kader Khan who is a head mob head of the mob in Mumbai and he starts to teach him about the meaning of life. So interspersed with this amazing storyline about this unbelievable, like descriptive writing about India and the people there is, is all this interlaced stuff about the meaning of life and why we are here, where we're come from, where we're going type of, of philosophical, philosophical questions. And I think it was the first book that I read that had, those types of things rather than just a great storyline that I was really engrossed by. So it's one that always stuck with me and I'm actually reading or listening to the audiobook again at the moment and it's still it's just a fantastic story. I would definitely recommend it to anyone who hasn't read it. Unfortunately, we've run out of time to play an extract that we had planned from it. But uh, it's been great talking to you, Roche. You know, there's loads of fantastic choices there, which I imagine will send many people to go and check out uh, the music and the movies and the television and indeed the book as well. Thank you so, so much for having me. It's been great, Crack. Great, Roche. Thank you very much for being with us. The Last Word with Matt Cooper. Listen live on air from 4.30 weekdays on Today FM.